This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Botox Cosmetic. Out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome uh, to Talking Devils again this week, your leading independent Manchester United podcast. Um, this is the One the Lots pod. Uh, we're on to episode six, I think it is now, on our weekly Monday night schedule. Uh, things are, are coming along nicely. And uh, if you are joining us again this week, thank you very much. Um, I'm your host, Harry Tor. Uh, I head up uh, Fan Owned United, uh, a Twitter and Instagram page. Um, I myself have got a season ticket in the Stratford End. And uh, essentially, we like to give um, content just about, obviously, the club, but also put up little videos of you know going to games um, for fans who can't uh, go themselves, for the global fan base especially. And as per usual, uh, I'm joined this week by the two gents, uh, Stephen and Peter. Um, Peter's a lifelong United fan and a football author. Uh, and Steve, likewise, lifelong United fan and has had his season ticket at Old Trafford for over 25 years. Um, their handles are also on the screen. Please give them a follow. Um, also, if you're joining us live on YouTube, do send in a comment, a question. They are, you know, we will go through all of them and are welcome. And uh, if you are following on the podcast platforms after uh, this is done, please like and subscribe and share. So, um, right, gents, uh, nice to catch up with all of you guys this week. I say all because Peter, unfortunately, can join us last week. Um, great to catch, catch up again off a of victory. That's always a a good start. Um, great result, I'll say. Maybe not so overall performance again uh, against uh, Bournemouth. That 1-0 win at one stage. We were actually qualified for the Champions League until, uh, unfortunately, Bobby Firmino, the, uh, the Liverpool player who will be leaving them this year, frustratingly scored in the last minute. But even still, with that victory, we only need one point to get into that top four place from the last two games. Um, so, Peter, we'll start with you. What did you think overall of that performance um, over the weekend? Uh, I think you kind of said it nicely there, like good results, uh, iffy performance. But I suppose at this point of the season, like realistically, you just want three points. And 
we'll just yeah, we'll deal with the afters from there. But yeah, it was it was nice to see like us we, like so many times of late, like we've especially against West Ham and Brighton, not getting a goal when we were on top. So we started quite well, got the goal, and just just failed to build on it really, which uh, kind of been the story of the season. Uh, it's just it's weird how little goals we score, and even away from home, we've only scored twenty two goals in nineteen. Uh, which is the lowest since Van Hal train. So that kind of tells you, like, just it just isn't for us going away from home. But uh, yeah, yeah it's good just get the win. Uh, pretty cop, like, we we're pretty comfortable in the first half. And then, like, De Gea Bale said a few times, a few good saves. And yeah, I think Borman didn't have much to offer. But at the end of the day, it was just getting over the line. And uh, yeah, more or less just one point to go. And we can finally banish the Europa League to memories. <laughs> Exactly. That will be, um, again, you know, much welcome to get rid of the Europa League and see some Champions League football at Old Trafford, uh, which I'm sure, Steve, you're, you're welcome as well. And uh, in, hopefully enjoy some Champions League nights uh, next year. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, every Champions League night is a great night, as is any European competition. But, you know, you really do want to be in the Champions League. You want to play the best Play, play the best teams. Um, any player wants to play in the Champions League. So you either keep your players who, who want to play in the Champions League or you're able to attract people who want to play in the Champions League. Um, you know, and we, we've been linked with a hell of a lot of players this summer, but if we were sixth or seventh, we'd be linked with half of those players. Um, so Champions League football um, is a big draw for everyone, players, fans, um, even the TV. Um, you know, you get you get so much more money. Absolutely, being, being in the Champions League. So, um, yeah, touching on the the Bournemouth game um, once again, as as Peter said, you know, early goal, really happy about that. But away from that, in the game, we had twenty one shots, and I think the xg xg was two point two five. So once again, quite heavily underperforming the uh, the xg. Um, we controlled a lot of the game early on. Second half tailed off a little bit. Um, was impressed with the centre-back partnership. Uh, Varane, Lindelof looked solid. It's it's no coincidence that since Varane's come back, you know, we've got two two clean sheets, um, you know, once again, which on the on the clean sheets, we'll, I think we're going to touch on in uh, in a little bit. Uh, Casemiro finishing the season strong, uh, fantastic finish. Um, quite lucky, I think. Um, I think the, the ball from Ericsson didn't quite make it, but got quite a lucky little touch from the defender who didn't quite clear it. And then he, he did really well to improvise and, and finish it off. Um, and then, you know, going into the second half, I think <laughs> I think a lot of people kind of slowed down. You know, it's, it's been the story of the last couple of months. Um, we seem to start quite well um, and, and not get the goal. But, yeah. you know, this time we did. Uh, we slowed down, but bringing, bringing Garnacho on, um, for, for me now, he's, he's a full-on upgrade on Sancho. Um, he came on, he, he injected every bit of life that, that we probably had in the second half into that game. Um, and we, we, we managed to see it out. So I was actually um, in a, a bar in Venice watching the game. Uh, hiding from the yeah, <laughs> I rain in Venice this weekend and it was it was the only Irish pub in Venice. And um, they, they actually had the United game and the Liverpool game on um, different screens. So... Uh, I think the Liverpool game was like seven minutes behind the United game. So obviously, once our game finished, 
they were they were still losing one nil. So there was a couple of scousers in there who were giving us a, a couple of looks and then <laughs> in the last minute and started giving it all that. But it, they equalised and, and and we won. So again, uh, bridging the or, or clearing the, uh, the the gap a little bit more. And as you say, one point needed. Yeah, yeah. You talk about the XG. It's, it's something that you know just come up time and time again. So many chances not enough goals. I mean, just looking at the last few results, we lost 1-0 to Brighton, but even before that, we beat Villa 1-0, then lost that Brighton game 1-0, lost to West Ham 1-0, 2-0, we beat Wolves, and that was another 1-0 win. So the goals just haven't been there. I think our overall goal difference is either 11 or 12. Um, Harry, sorry, can I can I just say before the next point, it was a Saturday again. So last week's yeah. podcast, it's a Saturday, so United win. It's Steve, just a shame we don't have any now until the City game. <laughs> Stephen picked up on this worldie of a uh, stat where we don't lose on a Saturday. I was like, he's gone through gone through the records of this season, and um, we have not lost on a Saturday. So, uh, so yeah. It feels we've barely played. Have we not lost on Saturday? We've not lost on Saturday. Oh, we've the last time we didn't win on a Saturday was in October against uh, against Chelsea. Like, uh, but yeah, the I next think... game on a Saturday is City in the FA Cup final. Yeah, so. yeah. Might be the only thing we have in our favour the Saturday schedule. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was thinking the Saturday first Saturday we played the season was the Brentford four 0 and I remember I was on like a family holiday. And my mum was like, don't ruin this for us. So it was, uh, yeah. But since then, that's an interesting one, yeah. Because we played, like, because we played so many Thursday, Sundays. Yeah, Thursday, Sundays, yeah. 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 Um, so we don't, need to, we don't need to worry about that next year with Champions League. More games on a Saturday, more wins. I'll take yeah. that. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, moving moving on to the to our next, uh, next major point. Um, David De Gea has uh, got himself a golden glove for his Premier League clean sheets this season. Um, I say his, but the um, point, obviously, gents raised earlier is the difference Varane has made um, coming back into the team and us being able to, to get these clean sheets, um, which in itself for the team, I mean, is a, is a pretty major achievement. Right to get the the most clean sheets, um, but it is a shame that the the kind of the award or accolade directly goes to De Gea. Um, although he has pulled off some great saves, he did again a couple of you know pulled off a couple of great saves against Bournemouth as well. I think it is very much a a team kind of effort to get those clean sheets and. And to get those kind of um, results, and the only the only thing, obviously, you want every player to have confidence, etc. But you don't want that confidence to, you know, kind of over over kind of you know cover, I guess, the the mistakes that have been made. Um, and what I wouldn't want is this golden glove for De Gea to think that oh, you know, I'm ultimately I'm best best Premier League goalkeeper. I've got the most clean sheets. So therefore, you know, these um, mistakes I'm making are just on an odd occasion and they don't really have an effect on me. That exactly uh, is not the case because the games where he has made those mistakes have resulted in us losing games, losing points, but also as we saw in the Seville game, 
um, being knocked out of, of competitions. Um, so it's almost like a double-edged sword. You want your players to get these accolades, but at the same time, you know, it, it's a bit of a strange one with De Gea. Um, I mean, Steve, we'll start with you. I mean, what um, what are your thoughts on the Golden Glove overall, I guess? Yeah, it's a, it's a great accolade for, for De Gea, of course, um, but obviously it reflects a little bit more on the team. Um, We've defended a lot better this year. We've conceded a few less goals, which is which is of course really nice. Um, but I think there's 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 an award in Spain. I think um, I, I can't I can't remember what it's called, but I think it's awarded to the keeper with the the fewest goals conceded. And I think that's a little bit more of an accurate reflection rather than clean sheets. You know. <laughs> We uh, we could go one game conceding one goal and then the next game conceding seven to Liverpool and uh, it just it it works out the same. So I think with with the amount of of goals conceded, I think that should be um, the reflection on on the keeper, the top keeper in the Premier League. So I'm, I'm not sure who's got it at the moment, but I, I imagine that Nick Pope's up there, and I think you know I, I know who I'd rather have him next. So. Um, Again, it's a great reflection on him. Um, he, he has made some great saves this season, and he he deserves um, some some recognition. So, yeah, all the best to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, hopefully, just over doesn't overshadow the mistakes from where he needs to improve. But I mean, that's a pretty fair point. You know, City away was six, Liverpool away was seven, Brentford away was four. I mean, that's that's what. 14, 15 goals right there in three games. Um, but what about you, Peter? How, how have you received um, the Golden Glove? And do you think it will be a, a positive or or a negative, really, um, for him to get that award? Like you said, the double-edged sword. And you wouldn't want him thinking that, like too much into it. Uh, I saw a quote from him saying, I've had a great season and all this. So it's a little bit like, oh, don't let it go to your head. And like you said, it doesn't overshadow all the mistakes he's made. And that has been kind of an issue with Hay in the past. He doesn't really seem to like take criticism. He kind of is quite stubborn and like, I'm good at these things and that's that. So, yeah, I think I echo what you're saying. Like, it's very much team award. Like, the guys like Martinez, Varan, Victor Lindelof since come in has been really good. And obviously, Casemiro's influence just sitting in front of them has been huge. Uh, I think it's, yeah, we're just such a team of contradictions. Like you're saying, like, letting seven, six, four, couple of threes in there uh it's bizarre that we have the most clean sheets but it's kind of like what it does show like ten hag has the right defensive system then like we know how to defend and when it goes bad you know when that doesn't when it's not functioning it just completely capitulates so uh i yeah i think it's a it's a positive and without those clean sheets there's zero chance we would make top four because we've had so many one nil wins yeah, yeah. We just had a question here from uh, Sunny, Sunny Sharma. Thanks for uh, sending that in. He says, "Hi guys, uh, David De Gea needs to go, or at least not first choice. He's so poor with his feet um, that the team decides to sit ten yards further back, and we're further under pressure, more under pressure." Um, yeah, those are fair points in regards to sitting further back, and he is obviously very, very bad with his feet. Um, I think the general consensus is it would be ideal to get a new keeper. Um, I know that that would be my choice. I think it just, with De Gea's contract situation, 
leaves things slightly difficult for um, Ten Hag as to what he exactly does. Does just leave leave his contract, not extend it, and let him go for free, um, or does he keep him and maybe you know give him an extension, try and sell him next year, buy another keeper, keep you know keep um, Henderson as well. There's a there's a lot of questions around that. Um, so I guess we'll we'll have to see in the summer, but some stronger strong opinions um, in regards to having De Gea um, potentially leave. Um, so so moving on, I wanted to focus a little bit on um, Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Um, slightly more relevant this week was that the um, Sunday Times top 100 rich list was released, and he's now um, jumped up. To number two, so he is the second richest man in the UK with a worth of twenty nine point six eight eight billion, to be specific. Nice. And um, yeah, and first and foremost, the reason why I thought it was relevant is because I'm pretty sure when the um, bid process first started, I think his initial wealth was um, thought to be around fourteen and a half. Um, I think maybe that was based on, on last year's number and um, because he obviously owns Ionis, a huge uh, pharmaceutical, um, not pharmaceutical, sorry, petrochemical firm um, that has obviously grown quite exponentially because of oil prices, etc. Um, also, you know, his, his bid potentially might be to have part of the club rather than all of the club, which has been taken maybe negatively and this, you know, this kind of information that he is worth uh, quite an increased amount kind of gives a lot more hope as to potentially moving the Glazers on slightly quicker than we first imagined. Because I thought, you know, a guy worth 40 and a half billion, if he needs to put aside about six towards a football club, that's quite a lot of money. That's, you know, over a third of his wealth. How is he going to deal with that? Now, you know, this this does kind of change things. And, I mean, in regards to a, a transfer kitty, you know, a billion pounds still goes a long way, you know, over a few years. So we would just need a 30th of his uh, wealth in terms of transfers. But also, I just wanted to list, guys, a few of these points which I read in an article just to give a bit of a background around him. Because one thing which... I certainly, you know, haven't had is, is too much um, kind of of an understanding of, you know, the actual backgrounds of the bidders because especially Sheikh Jassim, there's hardly anything on the internet. I kind of Googled a couple of times. There's no information, you know, very, very, AI. very AI. vague, very vague as to as to who he is. He heads up a bank. Um, but this this article was pretty pretty you know interesting sometimes even funny so I'm not going to read through the whole things but the point um, I I picked up is um, they mentioned he was a part time mountaineer and is a beekeeper um, obviously mentioned his wealth has increased because of energy prices which skyrocketed um, now the it also said the conglomerate of um, his businesses stretch over three continents. And he says that Ionis is the biggest company in the world that no one has heard of. They produce 
anything from pharmaceuticals to the plastic that is made for Lego. So that's a pretty, pretty wide range. He remortgaged his house, remortgaged his house uh, 30 years ago by 140,000 to start this business. Pretty brave guy. Um, grew up in a council estate in an area called Failsworth near Manchester. If you guys are from Manchester, slightly closer to the, the east, east side, um, towards Airtad, keep on going, <laughs> and um, towards that direction. Um, when he was when he was smaller, he uh, he used to hang around Hull's football ground and sell lottery tickets. So he's entrepreneurial from quite a, uh, a young age. Um, his ownership of Ionis is actually sixty percent, which I didn't know of. The rest is the rest of the forty percent is split between um, two of his business partners. Um, but he also funds various projects. Um, one is called the Daily Mile, which is um, an initiative for children to get running. Um, also, another point, obviously, I knew that he owned Nice, um, but I didn't know that he owns another club in the Swiss second division. Um, I think is uh, Lucille, Lusange, if I'm pr pronouncing that correctly. Um, and a couple of little funny bits. It said, on his DVD player, his chariots of fire. On his turntables, it's Roadhouse Blues by the doors. In his garage, he's got a Porsche 911R uh, F1 Ferrari car, which has been driven by Schumacher, and a Mercedes G-Wagon. Um, so, I mean, these are just little interesting points, um, considering, you know, he could potentially own our football club. And to be honest, getting getting this kind of um, information and, and background about a potential owner, I personally think is a, is a positive because the more you know about someone who's coming into the club, the better. Um, and I don't know if this was the article which was you know sent out by the Sunday Times. I don't know how kind of unbiased it was meant to be. But it does paint him to be a picture of just an overall kind of nice guy, a hardworking chap that, you know, how they say the kind of American dream. He was the kind of, you know, great British kind of dream in that grew up in a council estate, worked his way up, worked really hard and is now, you know, the second richest, richest man in, um, in the country. Um, so, I mean, you know, getting... The, you know, understanding those kind of points and, and highlighting those points, do you think that, does that make your perception of him any different? Um, yes, Peter, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, like you said, it's just interesting to know, like, he's obviously a bit, there's no such thing as like a nice billionaire or an ethical billionaire because he obviously has some dodgy things with fracking and environmental issues. And uh, pretty sure he's pretty staunch Brexit here. So there are, there's lots of like, there's pros and cons to everything, but uh it's interesting to see like oh he's an actual real person and there's like like this character and personality to him whereas like you said like shake jaseem uh doesn't really feel like a real like is he real no one's really seen anything of him we didn't come to the stadium uh and that's besides the point of like not wanting state ownership personnel to be endorsing that could ever happen to the club uh and not wanting to be involved with a country that has really really poor human rights uh records so yeah, it's interesting to see that regarding Radcliffe. And then it was funny as well, like, uh, obviously, he owns, he owns Nice, like you said. 
uh, Dante, the uh, the ex Bayern Munich player, came out and was saying uh, basically a warning of sorts, being like, "Oh, he said all he do all this, but he hasn't done that." But I think, yeah, like I don't think there should be there should be that much notice taken of what's happened at Nice because he's he's put he has put money into them and he's tried to do things and he's given like people control to do things. Uh, obviously, hasn't gone to plan as yet, but uh, I think he's definitely the right person for United and. The stuff around like the ownership and buying 100 percent and all that sort of stuff he's a businessman and he's pragmatic and he knows like he's being strategic being like i can get control of this now and in two years time clear them out if it's not like plausible to get 100 percent ownership of the club today then get it in two years and i think that just has to be taken into account especially when yeah. you're dealing with massive asset it's not the same as like buying a car like it's buying a yeah. six quid football club so like it, there's a lot of Twitter chat, but you're like, well, none of us really know how like big business works. So I think he's going about it the right way and the kind of, mm. and also playing into like, what do the Glazers want? Like, these are the people I have to do business with, as opposed to, I'm going to try and like shake the rooftops and all the fans will back me. And then it's all false promises. So I think he's just, yeah, going yeah absolutely. And I think that's why I wanted to mention it because of this, you know, new figure to what his, his, potential you know worth worth is and wealth is i think that strategy um sounds a lot more kind of attractive as a fan now because it seems like he can essentially get them out quicker um gopal has got a question thanks gopal for uh, for tuning in um he asked what do you want from a new owner other than lots of investment um steve i'll put that to you uh, well i think communication um, is is one of the key um, shortcomings of the Glazers in the last um, forever. Um, so you know they've they've never spoken to the fans um, to any certain extent. Um, they've never made anything clear. They've never you know they don't come to games. They don't show their face. I think an owner, um, you know, they, they should they should face be, be maybe not the face of the club, but if you're going to be back in the club, you need to be seen. Um, yeah. So. I think it's it's a pillar of stability if if you have someone who is is visible and is always kind of around as as you mentioned Harry he's he's from Manchester um so it's it's clearly not just a business um deal for him there is some emotion to it um, and I, I know all the narrative around him him being uh, having like a season ticket at Chelsea, I think that's probably just because he likes football and he he was living around there or something. Who knows? Um, but he's he's a United fan. You know, he he grew up around the corner. Um, yeah. Fails isn't too far away at all. So you know, being being a Red, being a United fan, owning owning your boyhood club, especially you know in today's uh, climate, that that's what you want from an, 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 a new owner um, to have some guy. Uh, from from Qatar, who people have been <laughs> saying conspiracy theorists saying he's an AI generated picture. So yeah, some people, you know, you just don't know who who these people are. But this this uh, this lad who's from from Manchester, who's become the second richest um, fella in England, whose net worth has doubled last year. If if his net worth keeps going up by fifteen million pound a year, then then uh, sorry, fifteen billion pound a year, then then I'll be happy. Um, happy days, yeah, exactly. I, I know inflation, um, make, you know, is a factor, but I think when uh, 
when Abramovich took took over Chelsea, I think he was worth about fourteen. So yeah. looking at, looking at uh, Ratcliffe now at, at twenty nine point whatever, um, <laughs> so it's significantly deeper pockets than what we thought. And I think the only real staggering uh, boundary would potentially be FFP. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, like you boys both mentioned, you know, he's a smart businessman. I don't think he would be taking over part of the football club if he wasn't running the football club. You know, I doubt who who in their right mind would say, look, here's four or five billion pounds, you know, I'll take 60% of the club, but your shares are going to, you know, hold greater weight than mine and you'll still make the decisions. There's no way he would let that happen just for his own, his own sake. It just doesn't make business sense. And I just think all of these are just points which are coming out, just massive positives and i'll be honest in in my um kind of viewpoint and mind is i'm shifting towards the the sjr bid if i'm honest between the two um because like you said with with the other qatari sheikh jasim bid there's three stock pictures i always see one is him at old traffic also looks slightly photoshopped not you know there's no truth um behind this it's just you know, my personal views it's one at old trafford there's one with them wearing the native um you know arabian outfit on a desk and the other one sky sports news use for their transfer news when he's in a kind of business suit and outside of those three pictures i haven't seen any others and the, find them um black and white, black and white photo is uh, yeah yeah it's, exactly. also, it's also strange that like he whatever like allegedly wants to buy the club that all that foundation and stuff and like it quite obviously is being driven by the Qatari state so i don't if you wanted to buy the club like you're saying with communication Stephen, like no one's heard anything from sheikh jasim it's all sources you want someone who's going to be going to matches or at least has like a presence at the club not some mystery is he real is he not who is this person taking over the club and because we've been through 18 years of hating the owners and wondering why they don't care. You don't want someone who's just off on the other side of the world, just kind of yeah. united for their own personal or like national gain. So, yeah. And just it's one just, thing yeah. to finish us off. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I mean, even if he didn't want to come out in person and, and actually visit Old Trafford, he could have at least released like a little press conference or a video or something and said that, you know, this is me, this is what I'm about. This is why I want to buy Manchester United, X, Y, Z, like five minutes. Um, but he didn't even bother to do that. So let's see. But he's the one that's got all the cash, supposedly. Um, so hopefully uh, we'll have a bit of clarity as to which way this uh, bid is going over the next few weeks. Because, again, it seems like the Glazers are delaying. No surprise there. Um, moving on, though, a couple of bits of sad news, I guess. Um Jones and uh, Axel Twanzebe have uh, left the club um, this week or are not renewing their contracts. The reason why I say slightly sad, um, one, from my perspective, Twanzebe, um, potentially, I, I always thought he could have been part of the squad. I thought he had the ability to do so. And with Jones, did kind of get labelled slightly as a, as a bit of a, you know, player to laugh at and um, I read his uh, little statement that he made 
um, about leaving the club, and and I kind of felt sorry for him in in the kind of words um, he used, and and yeah, to be honest, you know, we kept him for this time, but it wasn't his fault that the club gave him a contract and he took it. You know, it's it's not like um, you know he was there and um, he was the one that uh, you know was made to stay on on his terms. Um, so, so yeah, Steve, I guess we'll, we'll start with you um, on these points first. Um, what do you think about both of those departures? Um, I think it's two cases of what could have been. Um, you see a lot of raw uh, ability from, from Axel Tuanzebe, who will start on first. Um, he's had a couple of really good games, but then never managed to string more than a couple together. He's had a maybe one really good loan at, at Villa, I think it was, um, and then never kicked on from there. Um, again, injuries, a lot of players can't handle the uh, the rigour on their body from Premier League or, or elite-level football, and unfortunately, both of these both of these lads can't, can't play football games, so there's no value in keeping them, and uh, it's, it's a sad story. Um, Phil Jones, he, he just can't stay fit, and it's it's a real shame, you know. You wouldn't really wish it on on many people, maybe maybe Erling Haaland, um, but you, you just these, these guys are talented talented lads, and to not be able to express your talent is is a real shame. Um, so, he, although you know Phil Jones has been at United for twelve years, and I think he's made two hundred appearances or, or something like something like that, and it's it's just not enough. Um, Back when he got his last contract, I think most people were kind of scratching their heads. And he's he's made three appearances in the last couple of years, and you know, unfortunately, he's he's cost the club more than than he's he's made for them in, in value. And yeah, of course, it's time to go, but it, it's a sad case of what it could have been. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now about Twanzebe, um, any any thoughts on him of him? Not renewing a contract and leaving in the summer. Um, yeah, it's probably the, it's probably a similar case. You know, if you, if you can't stay fit, you're not you're not reliable. Um, I'm sure if Anthony Martial's contract was running out in the summer, he'd be let go as well. Um, yeah. It is it is just that case. If if we employ a football player who can't play games, what's the point in having him? So yeah, maybe he's he's not developed as much as he should because the game time is is what you need to develop. So being the age he is now versus what could have been four or five years ago when he started picking up these injuries. It's it's the right time and it is a shame because it was it would have been a really nice story to, to have another academy player coming back, especially in central defence. We've, we've not had any proper um, academy central defenders for as, as long as I can remember, really. So yeah. it's it's a real shame, but it's the right thing to do. And mm. hopefully, as, as we spoke about last week, we can exercise... Um, the sale of, of potentially Harry Maguire, as well as those two, and then as with all of those wages saved up and the transfer fee from Maguire, we can get in um, another centre back, hopefully in, in the mould of, of Kim Min Jae for for that forty two million pound. Um, yeah. So you know three out, two which don't play, so it's not exactly like uh, we, we're going to lose too many squad players. It's a lot of wages we're saving. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. How about yourself, uh, Peter? Um, yeah. Any, any views on those two points? Yeah, it is just the what could have been for both of them. And uh, 
like Transavia, it's always like you always have that one night in Paris, uh, October 2020, when he, he kind of he really managed Mbappe well and matched for pace. But that was the moment being like, I'll, I'll be unearthed. Has this guy like been unearthed? He was quite rated coming through and everything, but he just never kicked on from there. And uh, I always remember that, that same season when we drew three all with Everton when they just had like a long ball. He came on and instantly scored. It wasn't his fault, but it was just. It just never really, it never really happened for me United, and uh, it'd be interesting to see where he goes now because, like as Stephen was saying, like he just can't stay fit, like he cannot put games together, and same with Phil Jones and uh, even the Phil Jones that 2019 contract he got was uh, it's real. Like if, you ever, if anyone ever asked you, like Ed Woodward, like what did he do at the club? Gave him that deal. I think he's made like 13 league appearances since in four years on like 100 grand a week, and. You couldn't really blame Jones, like you said, and it's not like he didn't want to play. Like there's been players before, like the famous case of Chelsea around Winston Bogart, who just refused to play leave. Like Jones wasn't training, like he hasn't been able, he'd fail a medical if he tries to join any other club. Like no club would <laughs> sign him. So yeah. I, I do think he'll end up retiring realistically, which is sad. And uh it is sad, just he's another one of those players like felt like he left like five years ago the real phil jones left united a long time ago and he's another player like when he first came through he looked fantastic and right he made his debut like him small and johnny evans right the future and didn't work out for all of them for different reasons but yeah. uh, it's mad like he had so he was another one was a player who really post ferguson really struggled like along to like welbeck cleverly these guys they kind of lost their I don't know, like they lot, like the father figure, the club kind of fell apart, and these guys were in their early twenties and there was no guidance. So, yeah, I think it's sad, but uh, yeah, it's time just to yeah move these fellas on, and hopefully they can be joined by a good few others in the summer and yeah, start being a bit more just ruthlessness. I know it's it has been the case for the last two summers that players only seem to leave when their contracts run out at United, but uh, yeah, it's the tanks and uh, on to the next basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess a, a couple of just brief points. One, um, obviously I've read Sir Alex book a few years ago. And one thing he always said is there's always a set of players where you end up keeping them. Um, it gets to a point where you hurt them by keeping them because they can't, you know, they absolutely love the club. They'll do whatever they can, but they're just not at that standard. And I think, unfortunately, Phil Jones was, was that type of player in the end um, where he was just in and around the club but couldn't actually play. Um, but like you said, you know, you know, people laugh at that tackle, whatever. <laughs> it must be a tackle. Falling yeah. on the floor and he, you know, got it out of got it out with his head against Arsenal. But it just goes to show, you know, he literally do anything to for the club um, whilst he was playing. He put put his body on the line, which, you know, not many defenders do. Um, so yeah, we wish obviously Jones and Twanzebe you know best of luck going going forward. Um, absolutely. Um, and finally, just to finish off today's pod, um, we're playing Chelsea on Thursday, and um, there's a few few points um, there which are pretty interesting. First and foremost, obviously they've announced that their new coach first team coach is going to be Mauricio Pochettino um what do you guys think of that uh, I guess Steve we'll, we'll start with you um uh, interesting appointment interesting that Pochettino 
has decided that he's happy to move to Chelsea, considering obviously he had that great spell at Tottenham. Yeah, I think Chelsea, they've they've got a lot of money that they're willing to spend and, and can spend. I don't think they can possibly have a worse season than they've had this year. So for him, it's only going to get better. Um, he's going to get Nkunku in next season. I think that's already been announced. Um, who has been setting Germany, Germany alight for the last couple of years. So that's another really good uh, focal point for their attack. I think we have the left. But they've got a lot of players that they need to sell um, and a lot of players that they need to add. And I think maybe the, the manager might be a bit cutthroat, but I think if you're going to join a club with all of that money and a great amount of players that, that they already have, it's a bit of a, a a bit of a project for him potentially if if he gets the backing of of the uh, of the owner and you know hopefully if he's got a bit of sense about it, he'll sign a five year contract with a a massive sacking clause but you know I think I think with Chelsea they they can't do any worse than they they have done this year they're only going to get better um, and well fingers crossed they don't but yeah I think it's a it's quite an easy choice. Uh, if it was me, I think I'd rather manage Chelsea instead of Tottenham. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, that's the thing. They Chelsea undoubtedly have the potential to get back to you know, challenging for titles um, purely because they have Todd Bowie who can put in unlimited funds. But I think they've gone to show so far that it's, you know, it's no secret that they've... Personally, I think they've done it in the worst possible way because yeah. there's been no strategy. There seems like there's no structure in place. Um, and literally, they're bringing in any player that Todd Bowie fancies. I mean, I, I genuinely think they bought Enzo Fernandez just because he wanted a World Cup winner on his team. Like, literally as simple as that. I don't really know, you know, who actually wanted Enzo Fernandez. Not so, obviously, he's a fantastic player. But a central holding midfield player for £100 million is a little bit excessive. Um, me, personally, I don't think Poch potentially would be the best um, appointment, really, going forward. Um, purely because I don't think he's, again, headstrong enough to deal with a owner like Bowie. I think, obviously, as a, as a football man, he'll get that team playing, but they'll get to a point where he's going to want certain players to come in and he's going to want a certain style of play. And I literally think unless something drastically changes, the way which players are brought in at Chelsea are just going to stay the same. It's literally, here's a bunch of players that the owner wants, go and play with them. If there's a problem, that's that's your issue. You know, because this is coming from a guy who fell out with Thomas Tuchel because Thomas Tuchel didn't want to sign Ronaldo. You know what I mean? So there needs to be a major, from my perspective, a major shift in the way um, things are done from the top. Not that I'm too overly concerned, of course, um, but I just think Pochettino is just not the right man um, because I didn't think he'll be able to, to manage that. Um, what do you think, Peter? Uh, it's just really hard to know. <laughs> Chelsea just... They're impossible to predict. I just, I personally just can't see Chelsea, like as you said, like regarding Bowley and so on. It's just hard to see that guy like 
getting it right or kind of like he did mention like I've made mistakes, but a bit late in the day we're saying after he spent six hundred million. Uh and on the transfers as well, like I don't think they're gonna be able to buy players unless they sell. Like they really need to get rid of like a good 10, 15 players and so many players need to get rid of. Uh but there is the basis of a decent team there. They've got like I think Potch will love Mount. Uh probably sell off Galler because just Mount Light basically. Uh but they've got some good young players, they've got a decent back four need new keeper and so on it's a weird one from potch i i i thought potch tino had a his affinity to spurs was would be strong enough that he'd be like i'm not gonna go to chelsea and uh like upset their fans and yeah, like thoughts with the spurs fans like they got the two chelsea has been coached coming their way and their best ever manager of the last their best manager of the last 30 years is going to chelsea um so yeah i don't, don't know how it's gonna work out really but like you said like it can't be any worse uh and it's like anything he needs time but he also needs results like he needs to show like pretty quickly that he's got something about him and uh i always liked i've always rated Pochettino really highly like i thought i thought his spurs team was quality and that was just the lack of backing that really hampered them like every time they came close they didn't they didn't add uh and i watched him at united for a very very long time i kind of was wanting him over ten hag uh at the time so It'll be interesting to see how it goes. I really think he needs he needs that job to go well because his, his stock has dipped a good bit after uh, how PSG went for him. But I suppose everyone does bad at PSG, and it's kind of a, it's interesting. But Chelsea become that thing now where like no one can work there, so it doesn't matter. Like you, your reputation remains intact after. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. <laughs> Don't know. Like it's Chelsea, their 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 TV show at this point yeah let's see let's see like i said um i personally don't think it'll work out but but who knows who knows and i guess more importantly and they lost to man city c over the weekend um and uh, which you'd hope means that we can carry on our unbeaten run and let alone uh one point we can pick up three um and casemiro spoke after the game against bournemouth um which we really didn't touch on what a fantastic goal that was um outside of the performance what an amazing goal he scored um definitely showing um his brazilian uh, traits there shall we say that little bicycle kick um but what he said was you know we we're not going to sit back and you know hold on for a draw we're going to go out you know focus on getting those three points which you would expect right um i mean based on current form that is what um you would hope anyway um are you gonna be at the game steve yes i'll be there i'm going with my dad um if you could give me the draw now i would take it because that's all we need um of course you, i think we're gonna win um and if i was if i was a betting man I'm, I'm not a betting man if i was a betting man i'd put money on us to win but all we need is one point and <laughs> if you're giving me one point now i'll take it because because that is qualification for the champions league so I'm sure stranger things have happened than than playing Chelsea and Fulham at home and losing both. But yeah, as as I say, it's it should really be us who need a result against a Chelsea team who look to have down tools. They're just waiting for the season to finish, and hopefully, we can pile on a hell of a lot more misery. Yeah, Peter, what yeah, what do you think we'll get out of game? Prediction yeah. on the result? I'd be. Yeah, like I said, it's hard to predict things with Chelsea, but I'd be shocked if we didn't win that match based off how good our home form is. And 
just really that it's right there, being like, win this game, secure a top four, and then maybe make some changes for Fulham. Brett, you want to rest for Anne for, for the cup final against Fulham. You're only playing him twice in three days. And uh, like, I don't even know what team Chelsea are going to play. I actually watched the game. I covered the game yesterday for work. And it was uh, it was actually really, really hard to do because it was one of the worst games I've ever watched. It was, uh, awesome. it was like like you said, City C. And the goal was just, Favana just passed it to City. And then like one pass, two passes, goal. And it was... It was like it was legit. Like watching, it was the definition of an end of season game. There's another play for City of the League wrapped up. Chelsea don't care. They and weren't uh, trying with really it at all. Uh, like City, I think the City players were like, "I don't want to get injured." Like I'm lifting a trophy in like an hour. <laughs> it was just like you know, like we'll do our bit. The only person who was trying was Raheem Sterling because he was getting some grief off the fans and also had to feel for Sterling a bit. Being like, regardless, City obviously like 115 charge so on. So don't be giving them much praise, but. The fact he went from that lifting titles to finishing eleventh, and uh, yeah, I just it's I looked at the Chelsea lineup and it's really hard to work out like what's their best team like who Lampard is just kind of throwing lads out there and being like ah you will give you a shot this time and uh, I just can't see Lampard doing anything against uh, Tenag. So I think we should be fine. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, yeah. Um, I think that wraps us up for uh, for this week. Um, as mentioned, if you are listening back uh, on the pod um, outlets, do please give us a follow, subscribe, um, share our content. Um, if you do leave comments, we will uh, pick them up uh, for next week. Um, but do join us then. Um, same time next week at 7 p.m. Uh, next Monday, where hopefully we will be See, discussing what potentially we have to come in regards to the Champions League next season um, and also the build-up to the FA Cup final. Um, so thanks again, gents, for uh, for joining this week and um, we'll catch up next Monday. Cheers, guys. Nice and cheers. Cheers. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.